0: Is everybody ready let's get rolling
1: this is the big show on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network welcome back the big show presented by mountain america
2: credit union today we're at my hearing centers we'll tell you what's going on here in just a little while, but give them a call, 801-438-7058. Austin Horton in for Jake Scott today. Gordon Monson uh, at Casa del Monson. And joining us now on the T-Mobile and Sprint special guest hotline. Uh, T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to uh, make the best out of your mobile experience. Riley Nelson, longtime BYU football quarterback and now uh, analyst on the radio call, with Greg Rubel Riley thanks for joining us we we only ask the hard questions here on the big show so right out the gate I'm going to thank you for joining us by smacking you in the face with this two-by-four you ready I'm ready how often did you play poker while at BYU
3: <laughs> <laughs> I attended quite a few poker look my, my deal was like I worked too hard to earn that scholarship and that stipend check Here, I'll tell you what the real problem is. I think since I was there, granted, I was there eight years ago, but I think the stipend check is, like, more than doubled. I was in the poor days of the NCAA, and our monthly check barely covered food and gas, so I didn't have any extra to to gamble away on the weekends, and I'm too fiscally conservative to participate. However, you know, I would go and and watch my other teammates lose money to each other. I'd say (laughs) maybe once a quarter
0: what's remi- that 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 reminds me riley <laughs> i went i had a friend once who's who we were in vegas covering something and he wanted to show me how how great he was at playing blackjack down at the casino and so he said come on down i'll show you and I was sitting there, and we saw another one of our friends who happened to be there. And those two were playing blackjack. And inside of about 15 minutes, I think they both both lost hundreds of dollars. And I turned to both of them and I said, "I'm the only one here
3: having any fun." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Work too hard for that dollar to to waste it on something like gambling. At least in my opinion. So, anyway, what, how big of a
2: bummer is it to you, Riley? And how do, how much do, can I ask you from as a former player? What kind of a blow do you think it is to the players to hear that no fans at the next
3: uh, two home games here in Provo? Yeah, um, it's it's a bummer. More with me now on the other side of my playing career. While I was playing, honestly, I wouldn't have cared that much because um, I, I would just. For me, it was all about competing, and it was all about being able to display uh, the fruits of all of your hard labor uh, through you know the long and grueling off season. And then I, I would have been sad. Uh, you know, if my family wouldn't have been able to see me play, but the fact that they can still get a, a great experience through a, an ESPN broadcast on TV is, is a pretty good consolation. So, um, it, you know, that you, you already know, but see, this was already the case with Navy. You know that there's going to be a vacuum of energy there. You know, you're going to have to create your own energy on the sideline and all of those things, but it wouldn't, for, for me personally, it would not have been a big blow, but I did play with guys Who I would have been really concerned about them being up and ready for the game because I know they fed off the crowd, they fed off the band, they fed off the atmosphere in order to perform. Uh, So it would be something that would definitely I would be I would have been aware of as a player.
0: Riley, you fought through some uh, some injury and whatnot uh, in your playing days. How difficult is it to be distracted, if that's the word you want to use, with this pandemic going on and having to take care of your responsibilities and practice when you can practice and getting ready for a game with all this swirling around? How difficult is it?
3: Yeah, it's it's pretty darn difficult. I mean, I honestly, I grade checks. Uh, we just started the semester, so grade checks are going to be a couple months away. But normally for most college athletes, and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't much different. I mean, my parents always said it without grades, there is no football, right? Meaning that you got to, at least in high school, you had to have the grades to get the opportunity to play at the next level. And then if you got to, if you were lucky enough to get to the next level, you had to stay eligible. Um, so, you know, I, that was instilled in me from a young age. So I, I was never really in danger of flirting with it. But that's the first thing that goes by the wayside because you've grown your whole life, uh, grown up your whole life wanting to play this opportunity. You want to maximize that opportunity and put every waking moment you have into football. But obviously, you have academic obligations. When you add in an additional distraction or, or um, maybe something as significant as the pandemic that occupies your time, your mental cycles, your energy, and your planning resources, I worry about school falling by the wayside. So um, it, it's extremely difficult, and you're you just try as a college athlete, you're trying to keep so many balls in the air. Uh, it gets difficult sometimes, and sometimes you drop them. It sounds it's, it sounds crazy, but but most all college athletes have theirs on, on football, and the ball that gets dropped most often time is, is is academics. But but that said, it, you know it everybody in that locker room and everybody in that meeting room knows that that's the case and you know that the responsibilities that are weighing on you and you got to be a man and take care of business. And so that's what I'm, that's what I expect. I have no reason to believe it's not happening. And that's what I hope is happening down in Provo right now.
2: BYU football radio analyst, Riley Nelson with us here on the big show. Riley, I know it was a couple weeks back now, and we, we seem to be uh, repeating ourselves as we look at that Navy game, but I want to hear your your take here on this show in this space, what was real from BYU and what factor uh, did Navy's uh, ill-preparedness play into the results of the game that day?
3: What was real was that when you, uh, BYU's offensive line lined up against Navy's Navy's defensive line, there was two things. One, they had every man outweighed by about an average of twenty five to thirty pounds. All right, so that's just first law of physics: mass versus a bigger mass versus a smaller mass in a in a collision. That's what's going to happen. But secondly, um, what compounded that or made it look so much made it look so much worse or so much more dominant was the fact that BYU's offensive line truly—they're five very skilled guys, they're five experienced guys, and they play together as a unit. So that that play in the trenches. That was real. Um, I think the defensive front seven's ability to play aggressive, to fill holes, and play assignment sound football, that was also something that was real. I think the uh, byproduct, how how easy it was, or how productive the running backs were, uh, was a, again a large byproduct of, of the performance of the offensive line. But where maybe there, if they get, what remains to be seen for me is when they get in a game where first contact is not being made five yards past the line of scrimmage, right? The guys take care of their job up front, but they're meeting the safety at three yards and they have to make a move or they have to get some significant yards after contact and things against that, that, that's one of the elements that remains to be seen And the, uh, and then on the flip side, when the run game's working, like it was for, for Navy, obviously they have to commit more guys to the box, which makes it more open on on the pass game. And so I, I think while the passing game looked sharp and it looked crisp, as it should, it wasn't really tested. So that's another thing uh, that remains to be seen. And, of course, with BYU uh, facing the option attack, we don't know. I mean, we know their secondary were pretty decent tacklers because Navy didn't really get any big chunks or big long runs off of them. Um, they kind of did against the second teamers, but against that first team, they didn't. So we know that the secondary for BYU are good tacklers, but we're not quite sure how well they can cover guys down the field. So those are some of the more, I guess you'd say, really those skill positions um, still have something left to prove for themselves for this BYU squad. So now that
0: we got that the larger mass is greater than the, than the smaller mass, could you explain the E equals MC squared for me, Riley? Because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I never quite understood that completely. <laughs> just just well, kidding. Uh, just kidding.
3: Well, no, what I was going to say. Physics helps athletes, right? Bryson DeChambeau <laughs> went in the U.S. <laughs> Open this go. last weekend. Physics major. So there you go. Okay. So
0: let me give you a choice. You're a quarterback, and you can either have a great offensive line or a great pair of running backs or great receivers. Which one would you choose?
3: Yeah. Oh, man. Man, really hard question. I honest my first instinct is to say receivers cuz I was a guy that could run around and feel like I could cover up some of the sins of an offensive uh, of maybe an offensive line that was struggling a little bit, right? I could use my feet to extend plays or get out of the pocket. And if I got guys down the field, I mean, that was evident for people who maybe remember me playing. That's what Cody Hoffman was for me, right? I like I didn't put the ball I didn't have to put the ball on Cody's chin. I basically have to put it within like an 8-foot radius. And 90% of the time he was coming down with it, right, making all sorts of tremendous plays, and and if you can get if you have a receiving core that's got two or three of those guys, then I think you can do a lot there. So that's kind of my knee-jerk reaction. The, the other side of me says I probably, you mentioned that I played through some injuries. I probably would have avoided a lot of those. You know if you have a super dominant offensive line that keeps your jersey clean and keeps you upright in the pocket as a quarterback. That's a beautiful luxury to have. The problem with that is, it does, if you have all the time in the world, but you don't have guys who can create separation on the back end of a pass play, uh, then it's then it's difficult. Kind of, and then kind of in the middle there, a great running back is both allows you to establish run, but also the great ones can be threats in the run game. So they're kind of a jack of all trades uh, for you. But um, I'd probably in order, I'd want receivers first, O line second, RBs third. So essentially.
0: Essentially, what you're saying, though, is with BYU this year, it looks like that offensive front is really going to be good. I mean, we uh, we need more information maybe, but but it's the receivers that you have the greatest questions about right now?
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, Gunnar Romney, he had a lot of targets towards him. I think uh, he ended the game with eight targets, only three catches, but one catch was a 40-yarder down the field, and then he took a screen to the house. Um uh, so I, I would like to see a higher conversion rate, right? Three three catches on eight targets. Now that also means that, um, and, and of those eight targets, th- they were pushing the ball down the field. It's not like all those were bubble screens or hitches or five yard outs. They were pushing the ball down the field, trying to get it to him, um, trying to get it to him in, in that way, which you're obviously going to have a, a little bit lower of a success rate. But Neil Pauu played really well. I think I think those guys. Uh, what I'll say is this. I think they, those guys have potential, and I can see them embracing the opportunity to establish themselves as, as a real threat, as a receiving core. Um, but it's, it's a small sample size, and just kind of my eyes were telling me that they weren't being tested, um, I, I think, to the – they're not being – I'll say this, be, there will be more difficult tests uh, on the schedule for them later in the season than Navy was. Riley, uh, let me ask
2: you this: What would it be like to be uh, on a team coached by Bronco Mendenhall in a pandemic? Uh, what, what, how would he how would he uh, be approaching this? I mean, we can obviously see how he is with Virginia, but how would he have been doing it at, at BYU? Yeah,
3: uh, one of the things I really appreciated about Coach Mendenhall is it was just very matter of fact. It, it would have been no nonsense, um, and the other thing was he wouldn't uh, have cared much for. The repercussions. He wasn't going to make excuses for guys, nor was he going to make exceptions for guys who didn't follow the rules and follow the protocols. So, um, you know, Zach, you can tell Zach and Kalani have a real free kind of a free and loose relationship the fact that he's talking about how he got covid and they all got it at a poker night party and all that stuff even if that were the case i don't know that if i would let alone i I wouldn't have told another soul let alone (laughs) voice that in a press conference (laughs) right right. because because i I would have uh dwayne Busby would have come down and said hey coach would like to see you in his office and it would not have been a pleasant (laughs) 20 minutes uh 20 conversation but but he would have set up protocol. But here's what you can know about Coach Mendenhall is everything that he would have done or would have done for the team would have been what he believed um, would would lead to the greatest football success. In other words, he was putting things, and sometimes they were arduous and, and sometimes it felt very, uh, you know, militant like you were in military school. But especially as time has gone on, as I've matured a little bit, and even in the moment I realized that each one of those – at the time, maybe perceived restrictions was really something put in place to allow us to eliminate distractions and have a greater likelihood for success. So ultimately, while you're not happy in the middle of it, you're ultimately grateful at the end of it. So
0: speaking of Zach Wilson, uh, let me back up. I once heard Aaron Rodgers describe what was going through his mind from the break of the huddle up to the line of scrimmage. And you want to talk about E equals MC squared. I mean, there, there was so much going on that seemed complicated. Let me ask you this, Riley. What's the toughest thing about playing quarterback?
3: Um, I would say, I'll say for me and then of, observing Zach, because I think that there's a little bit, uh, we're a little bit the same. I mean, there's a lot that's different about us, but I think we're the same. It's the toughest thing about quarterbacking for me was like, knowing when the defense got the best of me on a particular play. Like, I was guilty too many times of thinking that I could Houdini my way out or I could use my legs or use my athleticism um, to get out of any sticky situation when the reality is sometimes, and, and this is, you know, Aaron Rodgers talks about all this stuff from the huddle to the plate. Sometimes you get out of the huddle and you get up there and you get your first look at the defense, and even if you call an audible and they adjust your audible, sometimes they just got your number. And what you got to do is take a drop back knowing that you're going to, yeah, you're going to give your look down the field, but there's a 98% chance it's not going to be there, and you got to go to your check down that you know is going to get tackled for three yards and short of the first down, or you're going to have to throw it away, right? So accepting that as a reality as a quarterback was the most difficult thing for me. Instead, I felt like – oh, yeah, I know they've got this covered up, and so I'm going to do my check down, but then I'm going to run around and see if I can get a scramble drill. Something will open up on the back end. Or, you know what, better yet, I'm going to juke this defensive end and find some way to scramble the the 10 yards I need for the first down. And against good quality opponents, that led me into trouble. It led to unnecessary turnovers, led to me taking extra hits, and and just led to unnecessary risks that you need. And I think Zach has a little bit of that. Zach is more controlled than I am and, and uh, is – does a really good job of getting through his progressions quickly and getting down. But you can see in highly competitive moments, he still fights that to rely on his teammates, to rely on that third phase of the game in special teams, right? That you got a punter that's going to flip the field, or you got a field goal kicker. Who's going to get you three points rather than handing the ball over to the other team with good field position and, and those type of things. Cause again, especially as the, as it intensifies, the competition intensifies against the best teams. It's those hidden yards. It's those hidden points that, You know, as I look back, especially my senior year, 2012, we lost four games by a combined six points. Like, there are six points in each of those moments. Had we just punted the ball rather than me fumbling or had we been able to kick a field goal rather than me taking a sack that got us out of field goal range, those could have been the difference in those games and ultimately the difference, you know, in your legacy as a player and such.
0: You know, sorry uh, to butt in, Austin, but that reminds me of something I heard Steve Young say, one time he said he never really became a complete quarterback until he was the leading the symphony, as it were, as the maestro of the moment. And that meant allowing other people to do whatever it is that they were going to do as opposed to him doing it, uh, trying to do too much himself. Uh, I guess that's a little bit of what you're saying. uh, Am I right?
3: Yeah, you are. And it's so hard because as a, kid in your early 20s especially the place like BYU that has names on the wall like Steve Young's right you want to live up to that and all the attention centered on you and all the press wants to talk to you and everybody wants a quote and everybody wants you to sign their jersey and everybody wants you you know to to, to take a picture with their kids so you think that it is it's like I have to make the play I have to make the throw but what Steve says is exactly right. The best guys and the guys who played this position at the highest level are true facilitators. It's truly about getting the ball from the center and then getting it into the hands of one of your talented players in an advantageous position and let him go do the work. The more you try and make it about your sing- your singular self as a quarterback, the greater the struggle. And, and the higher level of football you get into, that just becomes more and more evident.
0: Do all the girls want to date the
3: BYU quarterback, Riley? Not not in my experience, but uh, oh, I think that has sure. a little bit more to do with my looks and my personality. But uh, I ended up coming away with one, and that's all you need. You only got to get lucky <laughs> once, right? <laughs> See, I, I can oh, wow. I can ask that
0: question, Riley, because my daughter married a former BYU quarterback. So I mean, I I, I get it. I know how it works. And my daughter she will never date know. a football player. I can tell you, I promise you that
2: right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, b- before we do let you go, though, is this football game Saturday a uh, roll it out and uh, show up and win thing for BYU, or what? What are we expecting from Troy?
3: You know, it's become evident as these. Teams like, you look at UT San Antonio, who's, you know, that's gotten a lot. These teams that we otherwise wouldn't see play, right? These Belt teams. It, it's, it's become even more apparent. I mean, I, we all like to talk about it. But to me, it's become extremely apparent through this pandemic that, Football is more than a sport in places like Troy, Alabama. In places like Alabama, and Florida, and Georgia, and Louisiana, and Texas, it truly is a way of life, or even you know a religion, as some people have have equated it to. So, when you've got boys like where football is far more than a game for them, uh, it's an opportunity to get out of. Maybe it's an opportunity to get out of poverty. Maybe they're their first one. You know, it's just maybe they've been dreaming. You know, they've idolized a dude from their neighborhood that made it to the league, and that's that's all their deal. Um, whenever you're lining up against dudes like that, even if you might have a little bit of a size advantage or speed advantage or something like that, that element of, of uh, I don't know if desperation is the right word, maybe it's commitment, I'm not sure what it is, but that un, that unknown element means that you can't write a guy like this off. Plus, having watched Troy on film, like, they've got the talent enough to beat BYU. Should BYU win? Most definitely. But no, it is not a roll it out and expect... Expect to win. If BYU comes out and is not sharp, turns the ball over a little bit, doesn't convert in the red zone, then Troy could nip him in the bud, and that would just take all of the air out of you know that dominating performance against Navy.
0: Riley, were you ever able to come to a conclusion about why BYU was able to beat SC last year but lost to teams like Toledo and others? Uh, was there an answer
3: to that question? Yeah, I. Um, to me, and I don't want to discredit the the wins that they got against Tennessee or USC, but keep in mind they got, and I'm blanking on his name. Uh, he's a, a Slovis. They got Slovis uh-huh. in his first start. They got him at home. They their um, one of their running backs got hurt in the middle of the game. Granted, BYU played great, but they kind of got him in a in a good scenario. It was the same thing against the Boise State win right? Their starter went down. They put in a backup that they played against BYU. It was a night game in Provo, a backup against BYU, who that backup they actually benched for at the time, the third stringer, right? So they benched that dude. They brought in the second guy who actually became the number two and and sent him down. And so I think it was a combination of they caught guys in the right circumstance, meaning at home and with uh, starting quarterbacks being in their first start Uh, with the starter having gone down against injury. And that was a combination of South Florida and Toledo uh, both made great, great halftime adjustments, which for both of them was committing to the run at the spread run game. And like both Toledo and South Florida came out in the second half and didn't hardly even try and throw the ball because BYU had done what they did against USC. They'd been dropping eight into coverage. They'd been playing a lot of games on the back end of the coverage and doing all those things. So, Toledo and South Florida were both like, look, our quarterbacks aren't having success about this, but they're having trouble. We're getting five yards a pop in our spread run game, so let's commit to that. Toledo and South Florida both came out and did that uh, did that in the second half, and um, the BYU offense was not able. They put pressure by, by marching down, putting some drives together, putting points on the board, put pressure on the BYU offense, and I think uh, the, the young core of that was led by a sophomore quarterback with a bunch of sophomores around him, Uh, I think we're learning how to handle that pressure that was applied uh, by Toledo and South Florida, both on the road, both long road trips, and uh, they weren't able to come out victorious. Yet when they had the comforts of Lavelle Edwards Stadium with those uh, specific circumstances, uh, they were able to come through. So that's kind of my diagnosis. Probably a little bit longer than we needed. I probably running long on your segment, but that's uh, my opinion as to why uh, Tennessee and and USC and Boise, sorry, why USC and Boise happened, but also why Toledo and South Florida happened.
2: Riley, thanks for the time. Have a good call this weekend, and hopefully uh, here in a few weeks we'll have fans in, in attendance, huh?
3: You bet. Talk to you guys soon. That's our hope. That's-
2: Yes, for sure. That's Riley Nelson, former quarterback and current radio analyst for BYU Football. Gordon, we're live today at my hearing centers. Uh, Give them a call, 801-438-7058. And I've got Matt here. Matt, before we get into the offer, how prominent, how common
4: is hearing loss? Uh, So there's about 20 million Americans that have undiagnosed hearing loss right now. So they don't even know. Don't even know that there's a problem. Uh, Only about... uh, 20% 20% of those people, and I'm sorry, I got, that, I got my numbers, it's actually 40 million Americans and 20% of those, of those people uh, ever do anything about it. Wow. Uh, and so that's why it's fun to be on, on stations here where we can promote the opportunity to come in and have a free hearing evaluation. Uh, whether you think there's a problem or not, it's recommended that you, after the age of 55 you have your hearing tested every year. And to make it even more fun, anyone that calls and schedules an appointment today, they're going to be put into a drawing for a free set of those hearing aids.
2: That's a huge deal. That's, that's a really – I mean, I, I, I think I'm going to call in under uh, Rotten Horton and, and, and <laughs> apply to, to get that because these are the top-of-the-line babies.
4: Top-of-the-line top hearing aids. And, and what's mo- more exciting than that, to me, is the success that we're having of people that come in. We had a lady come in not too long ago. Uh, it was about a, just under a month ago, about three weeks ago. And her biggest issue was being able to talk to her grandkids – now that she's talking to them via the cell phone, sure. right, and, and and using your your conference stuff, your your uh, your iPhone and everything else, and and so she said, well, what can you do to help me out with that? You know, I can see their faces, but there's there's it's got to be my phone, or whatever else. And so we we showed her you can actually use the hearing aids. We can connect directly to your cell phone with the hearing aids. You're getting the volume right into your hearing aids at the prescription you you need. And you're able to use the cell phone to change change the volume of that of that conference call. And so what we showed her all the things that she could do. She she actually immediately took it right there in the office, called her grandkid, popped up right on the phone, and she started talking. She took a fifteen minute call in the office with her grandkid, <laughs> got off, she said I'm done. It's in. Let's do it. I heard every word. Heard every word. That's so much better than it was before. That's great. And let, let's move forward. And and that's the kind of experiences that are fun, and we have them every day with different patients with this new technology.
2: You said uh, over the age 55 need to be tested how often? Every year. Gordon, that means you've been tested, what, 100 times? <laughs>
0: Uh, just 35. Oh, 35. That's <laughs> <Gordon.
2: okay. laughs> I'm not, I'm not participating in that Gordon, I'm, but you are welcome.
4: Anytime you'd like to come in the office, either of you guys to have your hearing tested.
2: Call 801-438-7058. There's 20 offices in Utah from Logan to Nephi. Get that 30 day risk-free trial after that private hearing evaluation and be entered into that drawing for a set of new hearing aids. 801-438-7058. We'll more of the big show next right here on the zone.
1: This is DJ and PK. Former Cougar Jordan
5: Pendleton joining us. Your Cougars looked awesome against Navy. How much of that do you think BYU's got a really good offensive line and they are going to roll through Troy and roll through the other teams? And how much of that was Navy hadn't been hitting and it really isn't a fair
1: test? That's a tough one, man. They did look unbelievable. It was so nice to see an identity on offense. And I'm hoping that that's how BYU's going to play the rest of the season. And we'll find out. We would love to see them be able to play with that momentum and carry that momentum. Momentum on, but having two weeks off and then now facing Troy, it'll be interesting to see how BYU comes out and how they've been preparing for the last two weeks since the victory over Navy. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
2: From the Killers, welcome back to the big show here on the Zone Sports Network. Austin Horton, in for Jake, talking with Gordon Monson. Today we're live at my hearing centers. Give them a call, 801-438-7058. First 30 people to call today and schedule the uh, free private hearing evaluation. They get a 30-day risk-free trial of the latest technology, and they're entered to win uh, for Keepsies, a set of the -the state-of-the-art hearing aids here Top of the line. Welcome back. We got to talk about this Larry Austin, Scott Austin, situation, Gordon. Austin. Oh yeah.
0: Before we get to that, I got two questions. One is do you like the killers?
2: Yeah, I do. I like I oh, like I the killers. Oh the, oh the band. Oh the band. Um yeah. No, yeah. I do like the killers.
0: And then I have a question for Lloyd. Of course. I am considering becoming a Raiders fan, and I think many, many football fans in the state of Utah. Are considering it uh, now that they're in Vegas, so, Lloyd uh, uh, I to ask you, how many how many trips are you planning on making per season to go down to watch your team play? Because you're a lifelong Raiders fan,
5: right? Uh, I, I'd like to. I'd like to make one a season. Okay. I would like to. I didn't get in on the whole uh, season ticket thing that everybody was getting in, but because they were. Outrageous! The prices Thanks, were really. through the roof, but yes, oh. I think I will. I'll probably get out to a uh, a game a year.
0: Okay, that sounds like a good plan. How often? That how sta- many games that have stadium. you been to?
5: I've only been to two.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean it's tough to. Yeah, get Yeah, no, but you're going to going is, to Oakland. I've been now. I've been to more yeah. Giants
5: games than I have Raiders sure.
0: games. Well,
2: there's more games available. Right. That's, yeah. well, that stadium eight eight looks a whole year, lot so.
0: nicer than uh, that place in Oakland. That's a dump, you know. And it was a dump.
5: It wasn't yeah. a, the, the essentially they had the, they had troughs that you for in the bathroom that you uh, that you did your business <laughs> in. I mean, it was gross. It was disgusting. I'm telling you, I oh, went in troughs. there. I remember going into the bathroom, just like I felt like I was going to get a disease.
3: Shawshank
2: had toilets. The, the, right. the Coliseum or whatever couldn't get one. Huh. Uh, our friend Josh Newman, uh, who covers the UOT, tweeted out something funny last night. He said, "If the Raiders had any sense of humor." they would have painted a baseball field at at, the 50-yard line
1: just to keep Do you know
5: how much that used to kill me as a fan? I used to hate it so much because you'd see you'd be like at midfield or whatever or on that dirt, and they would, you know, slip because it's hard to keep your footing. (laughs) Like, it would just kill me. It's like trying to kick a field goal on that was ridiculous. More times than not, I swear, Janikowski would miss.
2: Yeah, well, we don't make uh, basketball games play on the hockey arena ice. Why are we making football play on the baseball diamond? It doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Well, I wonder how many first downs were either gained or lost uh, because it happened in the middle of the dirt. <laughs> you
2: know, probably, probably quite often. Uh, speaking of gains and losses, John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News reported yesterday that Larry Scott did something that I find absolutely detestable, Gordon. He, uh, he usually gets a, an annual bonus of $2.5 million, but it doesn't come until the end of September every year. Well, what he did is he moved the dates. He used his executive power as commissioner of the league, moved the date ahead so that he could collect on that bonus, and a month later, after collecting $2.5 million bonus to himself, one month later, he laid off or furloughed 94 of the 196 staff members Uh, at the PAC 12, this, and he is, by the way, John Canzano has also said, reported that he's been, that Larry Scott's been telling people for a couple weeks now, he thinks he's on the way out. This, this seems like such dirty pool, knowing that you have screwed it up so bad that the presidents now don't want you anymore. You've not, you've mishandled the pandemic. You've mishandled the rapid testing. You've mishandled uh, the finances from the get-go. You're lagging way behind the other power five conferences. And now, you know, you're on the way out. So what do you do? You move up the date and collect your money before they can cancel you. That yeah. that's detestable.
0: Yeah. If he wanted to uh, be seen held in a little higher light, better light, brighter light, uh, then it might've been uh magnanimous of him to maybe avoid this kind of gesture but the fact that he did that, uh, when word came out that, that that was the case, I know of no one who didn't think that was low brow. Low brow. You got people who are losing their jobs left and right, and he's collecting on his two and a half million. Yeah, beyond his normal salary, which is already substantial, the highest paid commissioner in the in the uh, United States.
2: Right. And I saw others you know, refuting this and saying, well, he didn't move it up just to pay his own bonus out. He did pay out $4 million total to other top executives as though that's some kind of merit badge. No. <laughs> he laid off 96 $40,000 a year employees who now don't have food on the table and clothes on their kids' backs, don't know how they're going to make their mortgage and rent, yet he collected $2.5 million and his buddies – uh, at the top of the conference also joined in on that other threat one and a half million dollars that he paid out in bonuses before laying off and firing 96 employees so we're uh, supposed to feel
0: good we're supposed to feel good about him uh collecting 2.5 and then sharing with his other cronies 1.5 <laughs> when he got a bunch of 40 fifty thousand dollar a year folks who have just been laid off i I, I just that, that is crazy to me. That is crazy. He is, he's just written that in cement that he will be seen as just a, 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 a kind of a clown,
2: really. Yep. And, and then this other part, to add on top of it all, this is from Kenzano's piece, who we had last week uh, on the big show. Uh, he, he said that he spoke with a number of the laid-off uh, Pac-12 employees this week, and uh, one of them said he's got multiple children. And, uh, quote, lots of people can't afford to stay in the Bay Area without a job. I think they viewed it as a cheaper way to fire people, close quote. Because the other thing that Larry Scott has misstepped on, in my opinion, Gordon, is keeping the headquarters in the posh, highbrow rent district of the most expensive city, if not second most expensive city in America, in San Francisco. Now all these low-level, so to say, employees that are way lower than the commissioner – that have now been scraping and clawing and scratching because they had to live in that area because yeah. he refused to move the headquarters. Now they're fired. Now they have nowhere to live. How yeah. this is? He is he has got to go and he had to go three years ago.
0: But oh, there's no doubt. This, this the, I agree with you completely. And there's all kinds of reasons and you've uh, listed some of them. But these kinds of actions, as well as he got the loan for his house oh, uh, at the, when he was first hired, he still hasn't paid that off. No. You know, th- this is a greedy guy, and I think that's pretty easy to uh, establish based on the track record. Uh, I, I, okay, let me test your math.
2: Okay. Uh oh. Let so my, my
0: let's <laughs> let's let's make it fi- let's make it fifty thousand instead of forty thousand. All right.
2: Uh, salary. How, okay.
0: Yeah. How many jobs could his two point five on top of his other millions? How how far would have that gone? Let, let me make sure I'm following jobs. you right. So, 50, so what thousand, do we do? Yeah. So how many, how many times, times is 50,000 50, going thousand fit to fit into
2: 2.5 million? Uh, that is going to be, as I think in my mind, and don't put it into my calculator, obviously, 50 jobs, right? Is it? Am I wrong about that? Thank you. Thank you. So, Wow. 50, 50 people. 50 jobs. Who he just said, eh, I don't care about you. But here's, I get my money. It's it's terrible.
0: Especially considering he's done such a crappy job as commissioner. When, when, I mean, a $2.5 million bonus for a guy who, based on his performance, doesn't deserve a bonus at all? Mm, that's a good point. And meanwhile, you got 50 jobs you could have just saved? I know there's a lot of people out there going, ah, it's easy for you guys to say that. If you hung $2.5 million in front of you, what would you have done? Well, I mean, when you're making as much as uh, Larry has made over the past, uh, what, decade or so, it's, I mean, $2.5 million is a lot, but, I mean, he's he's made a lot over that period of time. And I know you fans will always be grateful because Larry was the commissioner when when the youths got invited into the conference. But this guy has done a crappy job. There's no other way to look at it. So, so what if he was the commissioner when you
2: got invited to the conference? You were getting invited to the conference based on numbers and market and merit. It didn't matter who the commissioner was, did it? That's, who cares? You shouldn't have any, any allegiance or, or tie to that guy. You don't owe him anything. He's ruining the conference.
0: And now he's well, ruining people's lives. I knew the $2.5 million was going to get to you, Austin, because you, you have a bit of an edge to you when it comes to uh, really exorbitantly paid individuals anyway. Mm-hmm. But when you're exorbitantly paid and you don't do your job very well and you insist on having your headquarters in San Francisco, like you said, paying over $8 million <sighs> for those offices, where the next most expensive headquarters for any conference in the country is like under it's like nine hundred thousand, hmm. and you're yep. paying eight million dollars a year why to be fashionable
4: because
2: didn't the
0: crazy. offices used to be in walnut creek yeah uh-huh i mean find a place go to vegas go to go to salt lake city go to some go to a, a suburb somewhere outside of uh go to i don't care where about you go Coleman?
2: Pullman can't be too too rich on the real
0: estate. How
2: about there, fella? You got a team there. Go
0: live there. Yeah, I'm not sure that uh, he would like the uh, travel accommodations in and out. Of course, he probably flies in private jets anyway. Um, Fine. Corvallis. That's a
2: fine place. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. okay. hey uh join the big show this friday two to six at the warehouse 1825 south 300 west in salt lake price is so low it will blow your mind uh gordon i just had my mattress for my uh, daughter delivered this morning by the good folks you really? at the warehouse yep and i'm uh, getting couldn't, mine this week find a better deal are you mm-hmm. you've been saying yep. that for two years now yeah, so one year at some but point I... you and larry scott will be telling the truth
0: no. Uh, Was that a low blow? Wow, now you've really motivated me to make sure I get it this week. And I <laughs> well, and I, I'm just and I will. You kinda. I, yeah. I will. I I finally got permission from my wife to do it. So Oh, did you? You got yeah. your allowance yeah. that came in? It <laughs> she really <laughs> likes the bed we have. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because of her bedmate. I don't know. Maybe it really doesn't matter to her what kind of mattress she's sleeping uh, on, as long as she's roads. sleeping next to me.
2: All right, no. we're taking I'm... a break, and hopefully, like, <laughs> I will vomit before we come back on the no, other I'm side. No, right I'm here. getting
0: that. I'm getting that adjustable bed, Austin. I'm getting <laughs> it this week. I promise you. 97.5, 1280, the zone.
1: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go. We'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
2: The Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, The bright si- excuse me the Killers. Smile like you mean it, our song today. Our band of the day is The Killers. If you missed their halftime show last night, check it out on YouTube. It was fun, wasn't it,
0: Gordon? Yeah, it was really fun. I, I enjoyed it. Of course, I like The Killers, but uh, I, I, I thought that was classic, you know, them being from Vegas and all and doing the halftime show. You think they're Vegas Raiders fans now too? Oh, I'm sure they are, Yeah. I mean, there are there are you know there are insiders and there are outsiders. There are people who, if you live in the Vegas area, you're going to be huge Raider fans now, and of course they'll continue to bring they'll bring some of their fans from prior too. But uh, some people are outsiders. You know, they live in a town, but they will not root for that town's team because they're outsiders. That's just the way they are, and they fight against it, and they don't want to join in with everybody else.
2: Well, uh, we're wondering, Lloyd is a big Raiders fan. Gordon thinks he's somehow going to become a Raiders fan, and Lloyd said you're you're welcome to try, but I have no faith in you.
0: Uh, Okay, so my question for Lloyd for this segment about being a Raiders fan, what was the single most difficult moment of your Raider fandom?
5: Um, Bo Jackson's injury.
0: Oh really? Oh. Not the not the uh,
2: not no.
5: The, the fumble. Game no, the, well that the, that was that was that was painful. But the I tuck. But I remember. I vividly remember Bo Jackson's watching Bo Jackson's injury against the Cincinnati Bengals, and watching that game, and he had already had like I think he had already had one run where he had he had gone around to like the left side and he tra- and tracked back one the other way and ran it for like eighty yards or something like that. Hmm. Same run he did and the second time he did it is the one that where he, uh he uh he uh, broke his hip.
2: You guys feel like he would have been maybe the greatest ever had he had a full career?
5: I don't know if he played enough football cuz he was he was pretty he was pretty loyal to baseball. Um yeah. I don't know if he played would play it but when he did play, when he did play, I mean he he ended the career in Seattle. Yes,
0: that was I remember oh, so I geez. saw that live <laughs> and it was I just that was something. To
5: he see was by around. he was by far the, the best athlete there ever was.
2: That's that. I think that. Yeah, I think that that's more accurate because he he. You put him in any sport, and you can imagine him being really, really, really good at anything.
5: No, I, I remember when, when he when I He'd remember be when the he best injured kayaker in the world when he got <laughs> injured. I cried. I did. Did you? Yeah.
2: Well, thanks
0: for bringing that up, Gordon. How old you know, how old, you were, how so old were you when you when that happened, Lloyd?
5: Ah, uh, God, would well, that that would have been. What year was that? Uh, I want to say it was like 90, 89, so anywhere between 88 to 91. I can't remember exactly the year, but so I do remember the, watching it.
0: You were on the younger side. Though. Yes.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was okay to cry.
2: Well, if you're having trouble hearing your loved ones crying over uh, sports injuries and their teams losing, have I got a deal for you, Gordon? Oh, nice, nice transition there. 801 7058 We're here at My Hearing Centers. And uh, I was talking uh, with Matt. Hi, Matt. Welcome back. Awesome. I was talking with Matt in the break last time about my dad's situation and how uh, a couple of years ago we like pretty much interventioned him and said, okay, listen. You're not leaving this room without hearing aids. It's time. you got to do it. You were telling me earlier, most of the time it is loved ones that call in for the, the, their loved one and say, what can we do to make sure they hear us?
4: Yeah, it's about 50% of the time. About 50% of the time they'll, uh, they'll call and say, hey, my loved one's having a hard time. What, what can I do? And, and uh, for, when that happens, we typically want you to come in with your loved one. We use your voice in the testing. So they, we actually show them real-life, real-time how they can hear the people that they're compl- complain, we'll yeah, they, yeah, they're yeah, complaining yeah. about not being able to hear. Yeah. Uh in usually it's a you know it's a wife talking to her husband. Uh women's voices are higher in frequency, higher pitch. Uh, it's usually our higher frequency uh sounds that we start losing earlier. But those are also the sounds that contribute to our consonants. So it, it, you know it's the the you know the f's, the p's, H's, all those the s's, the t's those sounds are harder to hear, and they make up about 80% of our speech. So when a person has a hearing loss, especially high frequency hearing loss, they're, they're missing women's voices, they're missing missing children's voices, they're missing high frequency or uh, consonant sounds, 80% of speech, and this is why they're saying, what, huh? Uh, this is why they're asking people to repeat themselves. And so by coming to their office, we'll sit down, we'll do the hearing test, we'll show them first, hey, this is your hearing loss. You're missing those high-frequency sounds. Let's bring them back. Let's use the hearing aid. We're going to bring them back, do a master hearing aid right there in the office, send the spouse around the corner, ask them a simple question. What Would you eat for breakfast, maybe? Mm, yeah. And all of a sudden, they're hearing these sounds around the corner. They're not seeing lips, and, and people are just amazed. It's fascinating yeah. how quickly – I mean, it's instantaneous as long as it's programmed appropriately, and that's why you would come in the office – we're going to try the hearing aids, and not just in the office. We're going to have you take them out for 30 days, risk-free.
2: Which is important, because being in the office with you guys and seeing how it works is one thing, but day-to-day in your everyday yeah, life. Very so,
4: you we recognize we're in a controlled environment, yeah. right? It's supposed to be, so we can get you a good hearing test. But what we want is we want you to send out in the world again, as soon as you get in the car, this is how cool these hearing aids. You get in the car, you start driving it, guess what? It knows you're in the car. Hearing aids know you're in the car. It eliminates all the road noise. And that next experience you have is driving home and you're talking to your loved one in the car and you're going, wait a second, we're having a full conversation in the car. Yeah, right. With no problems. It's it's, it's awesome. And you're going to have all those experiences when you come in.
0: Well, I know it's changed Austin, my dad's Austin, life. It's changed Austin. my family's life. Yeah, Gordon. I have a question for Matt. Yes, Mr. You Mr. said Gordon. that often, oftentimes uh, a spouse will call in for a husband or whatever. Do you ever right. get a spouse calling in saying, is there anything you can do because I can hear my husband too well?
4: <laughs> here's, here's what we have Only had. Only when they sing. Yeah, yeah, here's what we have had, Gordon. We've had a, a spouse call in for a husband. They came in. We did the test. Provider quickly recognized that um, maybe it wasn't the husband tested the wife before he showed the results <laughs> and then showed the wife that she was the one that had the problem
3: oh. <laughs> so it
4: can backfire um, we're but all it's, in uh, this together there's no wrong that's right really, but it's a good thing whoever's <laughs> having the issue it's a good thing to come in have your hearing checked and, and get the help you need
2: and if you're one of the first 30 to call today at 801-438-7058 you'll be entered to uh, win a free set of hearing aids along with that uh, private hearing evaluation that you will get just by calling 801-438-7058. Matt, we'll talk soon again. Sounds good. Appreciate it. 801-438-7058, my hearing centers. We're going around the NFL next with Matt Williamson here on The Big Show.